What's up, sports fans? Welcome to the L.A. Courtside Podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, and I am your host, L.A. Ray. And of course, on this podcast, we feature the Clippers and the Lakers, all the way down to the Western Conference Finals, when these two teams, these two great teams, are going to meet in the NBA Finals. I want to open up this uh, first segment by talking about the Lakers' loss on Saturday night against the Miami Heat, 96-94, two-point loss by the Lakers. Uh, They had a decent showing, but there's some concerns that are coming out of that basketball game. And then I'm going to try to bring a lot of my Laker friends, my buddies, off the ledge, who are ready to jump off the ledge like they're on top of the Empire State Building or something. And a two-point loss is just ready to put them over the edge. A two-point loss without Dennis Schroeder and, of course, Anthony Davis, the other half of the superstar tandem of the L.A. Lakers. But let's go back to this game. Again, a 96-94 victory by the Miami Heat. And again, of course, no A.D., no Schroeder. Schroeder is in that uh, protocol, COVID-19 protocol. You know, let's hope he hasn't contracted that uh, disease or that virus. And then he'll have to sit out for 14 days. Hopefully, Schroeder will be back soon because they definitely need him in the lineup. But what I want to focus on is LeBron James specifically, who, you know, he only scored 19 points in that game. He was 7 out of 21 from the field, only 1 of 8 from three-piece land. Nine rebounds, nine assists. He did his thing on that uh, part of his game. Uh, He also had five turnovers, though. But in looking at LeBron James, it looks to me, and, you know, a lot of people may disagree with me, but that's fine. That's what sports is all about, baby. Looks like LeBron James has some tired legs. Now, we can talk all day long about the, you know, the king and you know how great he is and, you know, how competitive he is and, you know, all of those things. All of those things are great. They're fine. They're beautiful. He is the king. But, folks, Father Time eventually catches up with everybody. You know, LeBron James is, you know, what is he, 36, 37 years old, whatever he is. He's been in the league 17, 18 years. Dude's played a lot of games, man. He's played a lot of games, been in championship games for years. You know, the grind of going through the playoffs, trying to make it to the finals, you know, losing in the finals, winning in the finals, playing every single year in that ridiculous all-star game. Another topic for another day. The NBA is so ridiculous when it comes to that. It's all about money, baby. But, you know, James, he has a lot of miles. He has a lot of miles in this league. And without Anthony Davis now, he is taking on that extra burden to try to carry this team, you know, which is what he does. You know, he has to try to carry this team until AD gets back. That's a tall task, even for LeBron James at this stage of his career. Now that game again against Miami, you know, I don't know about you, but in that fourth quarter, dude looked tired, man. You know, he doesn't go to the basket as forcefully as he has in the past. And and, and again, this, this, in this particular game is what I'm referring to. You know, he got a shot uh, blocked by Bam uh, going to the basket. He just didn't look like he had the lift that he normally has and only shooting one out of eight from three piece land. You know, you have to have your legs to shoot that three ball, even LeBron James. And a lot of those shots were just, they were just off 
they were just off, man. But what kind of irritates me, well, maybe not necessarily irritate me, but, you know, the, the really the only criticism I've had with LeBron James over the years is he, the desire to finish off an opponent or put your foot on an opponent's neck when they've got you down. You know, like my all-time favorite player, of course, Kobe Bryant, the Black Mamba. Dude, when he has you down, it's over for the most part. It's over. You know, a guy like Kobe Bryant in a, in a situation like that, that last play of the game when the Lakers stole the ball, uh, LeBron James, you know, he had it at uh, behind the three-point line, but he deferred to Alex Caruso, who did not score a basket in that entire ball game. He deferred or acquiesced to uh, Caruso, and Caruso shot it from the corner, did not make it, didn't even look close. Uh, LeBron James, baby, you got you to shoot that pill, man. I don't care. Win or lose, in that particular case, you have to shoot the pill. He deferred. Caruso missed a shot. Lakers lost the game. Now, obviously, it's not automatic that LeBron's going to make that shot. You know, he could have missed it himself. But I'd rather for him to shoot it. I'd rather for him to shoot it than having to pass that ball off to uh, Caruso. Nothing against Alex Caruso. Love the guy. He's a Laker. But, again, he was scoreless in the ballgame. Got to shoot that shot, LeBron. But, you know, maybe the dude was tired, man. He looks tired. Okay, so I don't know what Coach Vogel is going to do moving forward uh, until Anthony Davis gets back, or at least until Schroeder gets back. You know, Vogel's maybe he, he, he may have to limit LeBron James's minutes. You know, against teams that, you know, you pretty much know you have a very, very good chance to win. And, you know, I'm not saying he has to sit LeBron James down altogether. But, you know, LeBron James played 37 minutes in that game against Miami, man. It was a grind. You know, Miami was balling. You know, Miami was balling, man. They they came to play. You know, they, they call themselves uh, getting revenge from losing the championship. Now, this is just a regular season game, man. I, I'm not going to get all bent out of shape over a regular season game. But Miami, just like most teams, when they play the defending NBA champions, especially if you lost to them in a championship, they're going to come to play. They're going to bring their A game with the players that they have, and they're going to try their best to beat you. So that's what they did. I, and let me say this. Those ugly, I don't have nothing against the color pink guys. <laughs> nothing against the color, color pink guys and gals. Uh, those uniforms Miami had was hideous. Hideous. Uh, pink and blue tint type color thing, whatever they had going, futuristic. Uh, it was horrible. But I digress. Miami came to play. Jimmy Butler, 8 out of 20. You know, he scored 24 points, 8 out of 10 from the field. He also had eight rebounds. Jimmy uh, Butler played pretty well in that game. Uh, Bam out of, out of bail. Uh, I mentioned the block shot he had against LeBron. It, but, you know, that wasn't too, um, uh, too, too star-studded of a shot, let's say. You know, LeBron did not go up as strong as he normally does. But he blocked the shot. Give him credit for that. But he scored 16 points, 8 out of 16 from the field, played pretty well. The guy that was killing the Lakers, I mean killing the Lakers, was Kendrick Nunn. 10 out of 14 from the field, 5 out of 6 on three-piece land. Dude scored 27 points. He was absolutely killing the Lakers. A guy like Kendrick Nunn is a, is a good story. Went to a small school in uh, my home state of Michigan, Oakland University, not too far from Detroit. 
I believe he may have transferred from Kansas or Kentucky, or, you know, a, a big Division One type school where he wasn't getting too much playing time. But he ended up at Oakland University, led the nation in scoring a few years ago, went to the G League, did his thing down there, finally got a chance, and he's playing pretty well with uh, Miami. Played really, really well last year, but he was killing. He was absolutely killing the Lakers. Um, the rest of the Miami Heat, uh, Duncan Robinson, I kind of held him in check a little bit. He was only one of five from uh, three-piece land. And they got a few points, uh, Miami, from their bench. So, for the most part, again, uh, as far as the Lakers go, now Kyle Kuzma actually played a really, really good game himself. Eight out of 21 from the field, four of 11, 11 from three-piece land. He had 23 points. Uh, Caldwell Pope, uh, these stats don't look as bad as – you know, what I was thinking about Caldwell Pope last night after that game, I'm thinking this guy has lost some confidence. He played 35 minutes. He only shot the ball five times, though. Uh, they were all threes, three out of five from three-piece land. Scored 11 points, but again, he does not look like he has the confidence that he had at the beginning of the year. And the Lakers are going to need him to uh, to pick up the pace. Um, I was uh, speaking on uh, or, or, or typing some stuff on Twitter today asking – you know, my Twitter followers, do you think that Kyle Kuzma should replace KCP in a starting lineup when Anthony Davis and Schroeder comes back? Some of the fans, Laker fans, think that Kuzma is better served coming off the bench. And some are saying, yeah, Kuzma probably needs to start just to give them more offense. If you do that, though, your bench is only going to consist of Wes Matthews, KCP, um, Keith Morris, and then Trez Harrell, and of course Caruso. So, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I just posed it out there. You know, you guys, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at LA Race Sports. That's at LA Race Sports on Twitter. Let me know what you think about that Kuzma question. But again, going back to LeBron James, you know, should he uh, be more aggressive when it comes down to? you know, last second shots or toward the end of the game and all that. I know that that may have been the best basketball play. And that's what people who will disagree with me will say, Hey, that's, you know, that was the best basketball play. LeBron James is going to make the basketball play. However, you know, in cases like this, and this is regular season game, so I, I really don't mind it that much. It's a regular season game. You know, when it comes to playoffs though, man, you're getting down to the nitty gritty, you know, you're the star, you're the king, you know, either LeBron James, AD, they need to be taking that shot, if at all possible. You know, if it wasn't possible for LeBron to take it, I can see that. But once, you know, once he got that pass and uh, he was around the three-point line, there was a guy guarding him, but uh, he didn't close out on LeBron James until after LeBron passed the ball. LeBron could have, you know, turned and shot that three-piece ball, could have went in, maybe not. But I'd rather have him take that shot. So I'm sure some of you are thinking, come on, L.A., come on, man, the basketball player is the best way to go. And some of you would probably mention the um, back in, I believe, 1997 when the Bulls were in the championship series against the Utah Jazz. Um, Michael Jordan, he passed the ball to Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr shot uh, the winning basket with, I believe, one second left or when the clock expired. OK, now I'll tell you what. And I have that clip right here, actually. I actually have that clip right here. Let's take a listen. Got it. Bumped by Cannon Anderson, handed to Michael. Six seconds. 
five. Michael in traffic. The car. 15 minutes. So that was back in 1997 when the Bulls beat the uh, Utah Jazz and Michael Jordan was driving in the lane. Steve Kerr was standing there at the, I believe it was like right around the free throw line. Michael Jordan passes off Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr hit that last shot and the Bulls won that ball game. So that was one of the times where Michael Jordan did defer to one of his teammates and a teammate came through. Now, you know, I can dissect this all day long, folks, and say, well, Steve Kerr, I mean, Steve Kerr, let's face it, was a better shooter than Caruso. Again, this is, has nothing to do with Caruso, nothing to do whatsoever. I mean, he's a pro. He's in the NBA. He has a wide open three in the corner. You know, he can he can make that shot. There's no doubt about it. He can make the shot. He just happened to miss. But I'm just saying overall, just overall throughout a career, uh, LeBron James, uh, I believe, just acquiesced a little bit too much. So if there's a criticism of him, of him, if that's the only thing that you can criticize LeBron James about, then that that's it for me. I mean, everything else about this guy is just is just awesome. You know, he just uh, surpassed thirty five thousand points uh, a couple of games ago. As a matter of fact, the game against, I believe, against the Nets, only two players have uh, attained that particular milestone and that's Carl Malone of said Utah Jazz and of course Kareem Abdul-Jabbar so um, James is in rarefied air he's in rarefied air I just like to see him be a little bit more aggressive but lastly again before I um, close this particular segment uh, the dude just looks tired man he looks tired father father time catches up to everybody and I believe Vogel is just going to have to try to limit his minutes as much as possible. Give the guy rest periods when needed. Or if you're playing some team that you don't need him to play 37, 38, 39, 40 minutes, you know, if that's not necessary, why have him out there? And I'm not worried about seeding. This is, this is the COVID-19 NBA season. It's nobody in the stands anyway. Who cares? Who gives a rat's ass if they end up playing, say the Utah jazz, in the Western Conference semifinals or something like that. And the Jazz have home court advantage in Salt Lake City. Who cares? Really? These guys are in an environment where there's no, there's no, pretty much nobody in the stands. And it's almost like they're playing in the gym. So you're not going to have those Utah fans, you know, uh, breathing down the Lakers back or anything like that. Uh, I'm not too much worried about seeding in, in, in a season such as this. So if the Lakers end up with the, you know, third seed, fourth seed, fifth seed. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to end up with. Uh, I'm not too worried about that as far as seeding goes. So all the Lakers need to do is, you know, try to keep the boat afloat until AD gets back and definitely at least until uh, Shooter gets back. Hopefully Shooter gets back sooner rather than later. And then AD heals up uh, for these next three to four weeks. And then he comes back after the All-Star break. And he starts playing like we know how AD can play. And then the Lakers will be whole as far as their starting lineup, you know, without any injuries. And then they'll continue down the path to the Western Conference Finals. Again, where they will face the LA Clippers. And it'll be an I-5 series. No doubt about it. The five, as they call it in Southern California. So we're all looking forward to that piece.
my next segment, just going to go around uh, the NBA, uh, talk about a couple of players in the NBA real quick before I get on to the L.A. Clippers. Game is so fast. Timberwolves will take off a little bit of time here. Ooh, they were lucky that wasn't turned over. Anthony Edwards, that time he does finish with the exclamation point. What about he got his feelings hurt on this one? I mean, that is absolutely filthy. Now, I'm sure all of you basketball fans have saw this highlight from last week where Anthony Edwards, the number one pick in the last NBA draft, just dunked over some kid by the name of Utah Watanabe. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He plays for the Toronto Raptors, uh, originally from Japan. You know, right now, kid probably wishes he was back in Japan. I mean... If you didn't know who this kid was, and I can tell you right now, the L.A. Ray did not. Uh, everybody knows this kid's name now. Utah Watanabe. As the announcer said in that clip, that was a filthy, a nasty dunk. I mean, the last time I saw a dunk like that is when DeAndre Jordan was playing with the Clippers. And they were playing the Detroit Pistons. And he came down the lane. And he dunked on Brandon Knight. Poor Brandon Knight. At least he tried to give it an effort and tried to jump up and block DeAndre Jordan's shot or at least uh, block his path to the basket. It just didn't turn out well for Brandon Knight. Just like this particular dunk did not turn out well for the young kid, Utah Watanabe. But Anthony Edwards, man, that just shows the athleticism that this guy has. That's the reason why the Timberwolves chose him number one over Melo Ball, uh, who went number three to Charlotte, and even James Wiseman, who went number two to Golden State. Now, of course, it remains to be seen which one of those three are going to be the better of the three rookies or who's going to have the better career. I think all three of them will have very, very good careers because they all can play ball, man. Anthony Edwards... Probably got off to a little slower start than the other two. But you can see just the athleticism in this guy's game, man. The guy, he plays defense. You know, he hustles. He's willing to learn. You know, he's out there on the court smiling. He's having fun now. You know, it comes, a, you know, a lot of pressure comes with being the number one player picked in the draft. You know, you're playing for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves who, you know, they don't have a very, very good team right now. At least they have uh, the cat back, Carl Anthony Towns. Glad to see him come back. But Anthony Edwards, man, I think the guy's going to be a very, very good player. You know, I'm not, I don't know about All-Star or anything like that. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Donovan Edwards a little bit of the Utah Jazz. But this guy, Edwards, man, he's a, he even has more athleticism than Donovan Mitchell. So it's going to be fun to watch him. You know, I don't know if they're going to have, well, I think they're going to have the dunk contest in this, again, ridiculous all-star game uh, uh, coming up in Atlanta. 
total nonsense. Adam Silver, you should be ashamed of yourself, but that's another show for another day. So if Anthony Edwards was not in that dunk contest, he should be in it now. If the NBA were smart, they think they're smart. If they're smart, they would have this kid in the dunk contest because the lasting impression of dunks is this dunk over Utah with Tanabe. So Anthony Edwards should be in that dunk contest. Maybe they'll get more viewers in this crazy all-star game or all-star weekend that the NBA is getting ready to embark on. So you'll be seeing that highlight all year round, Anthony Edwards in that particular dunk. It'll be the dunk of the year for sure. A couple of more kudos from last week's game. Uh, games, Joel Embiid against the Chicago Bulls. Joel of the Philadelphia 76ers playing good ball. They're 20 and 10. He had 50 points, 17 out of 26 from the field, 15 out of 17 from the free throw line. The guy can shoot free throws as well. He'll even hit the occasional three every now and then if you leave him open. So uh, Joel Embiid, very, very good game, 50 points. They're still debated going around the NBA who's the better center between he and the Joker. Yeah, you know, 1A, 1B. I guess I'll straddle the fence on that one. I probably would prefer to have the Joker since he's a better passer. Uh, Joel Embiid, of course, is the better athlete of the two. And sometimes Joel Embiid kind of rubs me the wrong way with some of the antics on the court, but that's the NBA. You know, can't really be mad at him for that. Guy has superior talent. And uh, he let the Bulls know about that talent or showed him the talent that he has. 50 big points. The other uh, piece of kudos that I want to give out to Jamal Murray uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. He also scored 50 points. Now, what's amazing about his 50 points is not that he was 21 or 25 from the field. That's amazing in itself, actually. I mean, imagine that 21 out of 25 from the field. Man, was Cleveland playing any defense? From three-piece land. Now, Jamal Murray, of course, can hit the three. He was eight out of ten from deep. Three-piece. Let me order a three-piece. Three-piece dinner. Kid was eight out of ten from that range. But again, what struck me the most, or what was more impressing, impressive with that game, was he did not shoot a free throw. He did not attempt a free throw. Zero of zero from the free throw line. Can you imagine... It's the first time that's happened in NBA history, by the way. Someone scored 50 points and did not shoot a free throw. Not one time. I mean, does that say something about his game? Now, again, I'm not disparaging him from scoring 50 points. And Jamal Murray has plenty of game. We all know that. But does that mean that the guy doesn't drive to the basket all that much? I've seen Jamal Murray take guys off the dribble, drive to the basket, you know, get to and one, get fouled, hit a couple of free throws. You've seen that a thousand times. So I'm not sure what happened in this game where he uh, did not attempt the free throw. But dude scored 50 points, man, without attempting a free throw. Very, very impressive. Very, very impressive. So that ends my segment of the uh, going around the NBA. Next up, next up, last but certainly not least, I'm going to talk about the L.A. Clippers and the return of their two stars, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Let's talk a little Clippers basketball. sports fans from my last segment of course i'm gonna talk about the game that just ended 
between the Brooklyn Nets and your L.A. Clippers. Brooklyn prevailed 112-108. What a very, very interesting game. A, lot of, a few things unwrapping this. There was a lot of things unwrapping this game, but I'm just going to point out on a few. Uh, first of all, that call at the end of the game against Kyrie, or I'm sorry, against Kawhi Leonard, uh, James Harden, the flop. James Harden has been a flopper. He's still a flopper. He always will be a flopper. That was a flop. Come on, refs. You don't call that. You don't make that call at the end of the game unless it's just so egregious. Then you make that call. Other than that, you just don't make a call like that at the end of a very, very good basketball game. Don't put yourself uh, ahead of the players in a game like this. But anyway, as far as the game itself, uh, the Clippers played, you know, not their best game. And for those who think the Brooklyn Nets are just going to walk all the way to the NBA Finals and win the NBA Finals, Think again. I mean, they were up by 15 points in the second half. They blew that lead. Paul George, you know, he came out on fire. He came out on fire. Kawhi Leonard was on fire. But the Clippers, though, I keep saying this all along. And, you know, folks disagree with me, but I don't think the Clippers can win a championship with Pat Beverly as your lead point guard. I just don't see it happening. He fouled out of this game. Uh, you know, six fouls. He played 28 minutes, two of six from the field, one of four from three-piece land. He had four assists, but I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I just don't see it. You know, I just don't see it. Nothing against Patrick Blevin. I'm not saying for them to get rid of him or cut him or release him or anything like that. He's a very, very valuable defensive player, and he's sort of like the, the, the kind of like the heart and soul of that team, you know, as far as toughness and all of that. But the Clippers need better guard play. I mean, Reggie Jackson, he only had he only played four minutes in this game. Of course, he went scoreless. And uh, the whipping boy, the guy I like to talk about on all of my episodes, Luke Kennard, did not play coach's decision. The $64 million man, $64 million stacks. This guy just stole from uh, Steve Ballmer. Someone should be held accountable for that. That is ridiculous. Lou Williams did not have his best game. Uh, I was ready to put out an APB out on him. He had been playing well the last few games, though. Uh, but in this game, I don't know. His mind just looked like it wasn't in the game. 22 minutes, two out of 11 from the field, one out of two from three-piece land. He only scored five points. 13 points for Zubat. Played okay. Marcus Morris Sr., not a good game. Two out of seven from the field, five points. But your two stars came to play. Kawhi Leonard, 39 minutes, 9 out of 19 from the field. 5 of 9 from three-piece land, 29 points. 13 rebounds. The, the claw was doing his thing. Paul George, though, he really got hot in that second half. 33 minutes, 12 out of 19 from the field. 4 out of 9 from three-piece land. He scored 34 points. 6 rebounds, 7 assists. It's almost like Paul George is the de facto point guard on this team. But the Clippers... Um, it's just something missing uh, from this team. Still a very good team, of course. Don't get me wrong. They're 22 and 10. You know, still one of the top three teams in the in a Western Conference for sure. And as I've always said, you know, the, in my show is based on the Lakers and the Clippers. 
meeting in the Western Conference Finals. That's what all L.A. fans want to see. So all the vitriol that's going back and forth between these two fan bases on Twitter, on Facebook, it can all be settled in the Western Conference Finals. I don't see Utah beating any, either of these two teams. So we'll have one of these L.A. teams in the in the finals against whomever, whether it be Brooklyn, whether it be Philadelphia, or whoever. Hell, I picked the Boston Celtics to come out of the East, so what the hell do I know? But the Clippers, man, they they they, they have to get it together. That, that, that point guard situation really, really scares me. Really, really scares me. Again, you know, taking nothing away from Patrick Beverly, but I just don't think uh, he's going to be the point guard that's going to lead them to the promised land. The Nets, you know, on the other hand, I mean, Kyrie Irving, man, what he, what he, this dude's just outstanding, man. He makes shots that are just unreal. He even had a dunk in this game. It seemed like he double-pumped it a little bit. Kid was 12 out of 26 from the field. Only 2 out of 11 from three-piece uh, three piece land. He scored 28 points. James Harden, the beard. The beard. 41 points. 13 out of 25. 4-9 from three-piece land. 37 points. That damn runner that he does. Dude also had 11 rebounds, by the way. Seven assists. Still leads the NBA in assists. But the little runner that he does in the lane, I mean, sometimes he shoots off the, the wrong foot. He shot a little runner off his right foot, right-handed, and another runner off his left foot, left-handed. Go figure that. I mean, dude has all kind of shots in his arsenal. And, then, of course, he can hit the step-back three and all of that. Uh, Bruce Brown was actually uh, – uh, killing the Clippers a little bit, man. He scored six out of ten points. He's a player that came over from the Detroit Pistons in that big hard and trade. He scored thirteen points, and uh, he was really out hustling the Clippers for long stretches in that game. And De- DeAndre Jordan, I guess he just wanted some revenge against somebody. That lucky tip, well, maybe it wasn't so lucky. The left-handed tip at the end to put the Clip, uh, the Brooklyn Nets back up two points. He was six out of seven from the field. He scored 13 points, had four blocks as well, 11 rebounds. So he played pretty well. So Clippers fans, don't worry. You'll be fine. It's because when the Clippers are playing well, when Paul George and Kyrie, um, I'm sorry, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, why don't I get those two guys mixed up? Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving. So when Leonard and George, when they're playing together, and they are in sync, the Clippers are tough to beat. And they will continue to be tough to beat. So with that, basketball fans, I'm going to leave it there. I'd like to thank the Basketball Podcast Network. But most of all, I'd like to thank all of you fans for listening. And until the next episode of L.A. Courtside, this is L.A. Ray signing off. Don't forget, mask up, people. Keep six foot social distancing and wash your hands regularly. Peace.